You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Number two, it's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Flames lose 5-4 to the Kraken. Frank Saravalli, NHL Insider, Daily Faceoff will join us at the bottom of the hour. Talk about that. It was an ugly loss last night for the Flames. Um, Maddie and I... If you turn that one off 43 minutes in... Yeah. You're feeling pretty good. Yeah, 4-2. I'm going to bed. This one's over. It's the Kraken. No, sir or madam. Nope. Flames lost 5-4. Maddie and I had an incident in the elevator on the way home because Maddie's move is leave after two periods, beat the traffic, watch the third period at home, go to bed, wake up early for the morning show. That's his move. Yes, sir. So there was a, there was a member of the Kraken coaching staff in the elevator after Maddie wanted to go down to the club level so we can leave. said, no, I need to get downstairs I now. I, I got to go down first. Uh, he didn't. And then Maddie's really upset. I apologize to him. I said, I'm so sorry, sir. And you should have. I should have said. And now you have regret. I should have said either nothing or said it'll be 20 seconds. Yeah. It's okay, sir. Uh, and we're taking your text, 960-960, name and location, to win a $100 gift card to Golf Town. What's your fun regret? Uh, we've had some beauties so far. There's a story involving Alex Ovechkin down at Cowboys. Good one. That's a good story. Just read one about uh, maybe biting off a little bit too much than you can chew in Heritage Men's League that I really like. Okay. We'll do that as well. Keep them rolling in, 960 960 name and location on the text line. And then later on at 830, you got to call in with your fun regret story to win Flames and Preds tickets tomorrow night down at the Dome. Lower Bowl. Lower Bowl. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, And Derek Wills, uh, Flames play-by-play voice for sports at 960, will join us at 8 o'clock. The lines were mixed up last night during that matchup, and it was a frustrating loss. And I feel like they're pressing a little bit. And namely, Huberto is pressing a little bit. I would agree. He's uh, fighting it a little bit right now. Uh, I I do wonder what the best line mates would be for him moving forward. That's something we can ask Frank Saravalli straight ahead Yeah, at 7.30. But right now, uh, it's big playoff game. The Stampeders on the road to face the Lions this weekend to talk about it. He is the head coach of the Calgary Stampeders, Dave Dickinson. Dave, good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? We're good. Dave, how do you, how do, as a head coach, because um, we're knowing that Jonathan Huberto's trying to mix in big-time trade, signs a big, long extension to stay in Calgary here, extremely talented player, and he's pressing a little bit. How tough is that as a professional athlete, even in your own career, when you were pressing a little bit, try to impress, trying to do a little too much. How tough is that to manage that? You know you want to do well, but you also know pressing is probably not the way to do it either. Yeah, and then you got a lot of people telling you you're pressing. So uh, it's never easy. Um, I think what you do is you just try to go back to what's made you successful in the past and uh, go back to your fundamentals and then just keep working and Try not to read anything and listen to any reports out there. Just be you. And uh, usually when you get in your locker room, I mean, the guys, um, that's where you feel the safest is, is around your team. So spend as much time as you can with those guys. And it's a long season, no doubt, football, hockey. Um, you're going to cycle. Um, but it does feel like every time you do go into a funk a little bit, uh, you feel it. There's a weight on your shoulders. It certainly gets heavy. Dave Dickinson joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest 
hotline. Dave, how how is preparation for a playoff game differ than the regular season? We try not to make it different. We try to make it the same because uh, we try to make sure that we, we're doing the right things regular season and playoffs. We don't try to say, oh, this is game is more important or we got to play harder because that's just not the case. Uh, you do have that little extra juice. You know that the finality of a playoff game is you play poorly, you go home. Um, also fun because you see the the prize at the end. You, you, you know what you're playing for and you know it's close. So, you know, you do definitely have a little bit more juice in the atmosphere usually uh, – is uh, kind of lively. Uh, you're expecting a big crowd in BC, so our guys emotionally will be ready. We just got to settle in and be us, and uh, and play our our brand of football. As far as uh, Barnes, you could go on the road and play in Dave. Um, do you like the idea of being able to play without the elements being a factor? Well, I played there for five years, and I, I, you know, I remember I didn't really care, you know, what the weather report was. I just drove, you know, I was figuring how long it was going to take me to drive in, basically, because <laughs> uh, I lived down in White Rock, and uh, that was a bit of a jaunt to get to downtown Van. So it really wasn't anything, you know, you don't you don't worry about it. Um, I don't mind practicing it. I don't, but uh, I know we're going to go into the dome today because that's the surface we're going to play on. We want to play fast. And we're happy Calgary has been able to have a dome now, and we're going to take advantage of it and hopefully, uh, you know, get as much out of practice as possible. I'm to write that down so I go to the right place today. Uh, um, also wanted to ask you a little bit about the Rough Riders game uh, from this uh, past weekend, the last regular season matchup. Didn't necessarily have a, a huge impact. It had no impact on the standings whatsoever. But... There were some significant moments in that game. And I wanted to ask you about the one at the end with Bo Levi Mitchell uh, kind of getting his moment with the fans. How special was that for you to, to kind of witness from the sideline? Well, I want to go back. I want to go back to the start of the game because I really uh, appreciated what the club did for Kevin Bennett. Mm. Uh, it was one of those games that started right and finished right. I mean, the the tribute to Kevin to me was big time, and I like Kevin. And then uh, getting Bo in late, you know, I wanted to be able to get him in, give him his moment maybe with a chance for him to almost step back and acknowledge that, and he was able to do that. So the game just started right and finished right. We did what we were supposed to do. Um, Should put us in the right mindset going forward. Did you like what you saw from some of the players that maybe haven't had a ton of opportunity this year that were maybe getting a little bit more of a look? Because I'm thinking about guys like Sean Lemon and Mike Rose and Folera and Rimalotti and Kadeem Carey that did not dress for this game. Obviously, we see Diedrich Mills and Isaac Adeyemi Berglund as uh, two of the three top performers of the week. Yeah, and throw Tommy in there, our sure. quarterback, who was the other third. We swept it, you know. Um, you know, like you said, I... I think it's important we coach the entire team, and I think it's important that the guys uh, all know that uh, we count on them when they get their number called. And you saw some good performances from guys that maybe hadn't been in this uh, as much playtime this season as other guys. So I know now it's important for our vets, though, that didn't play to, to wind it back up and get ready. Uh, yeah, you got one game off. They practiced all week. But you got to wind it up. you got to be that all-star. you got to get out there and do your job and, and make an impact. And um, We've got decent depth. We're pretty healthy. We're just going into a tough spot. they got a lot of good players and uh, the momentum as well with their quarterback coming back. So we just know we're going into a tough, uh, tough spot. Let's go ahead and see what we can do. One of the highlights that was uh, all over the place from this game was the touchdown run by Tommy Stevens. 85 yards, third and one, turns it into a a score for your club. Um, 
is that exactly what you want to see from Tommy Stevens? Because you had mentioned in the week leading up to this game that he was a guy that was kind of unknown, needed to get a little bit more of a look. Bolivar Mitchell, you know what you're going to get there, but Tommy Stevens a little bit of a different story as you headed into that regular season finale. True. I, I, I felt like I knew that about Tommy. He's a, a great short yardage quarterback, but I didn't know if he's, you know, being able to pull away from people like he did. Uh, but I also wanted to look at him, you know, as a pocket quarterback, a guy that can make decisions, call plays, make uh, make some throws. Um, and I thought he did a pretty good job of that. I thought he moved around decent, but I also I really felt like he was trying to read the field. He could take a few. He could have had a few throws back. I don't think he was as accurate as he wants to be. But ultimately, I do feel like uh, we needed to see Tommy. He is improving. He is an asset to our team in situational football now. Can I grow him into you know being a dual threat guy? That's that's the goal as we get to uh, 2023 and beyond. Dave Dickinson's the head coach of the Calgary Stampeders, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest line on the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Um, Sean Lemon winning the CFL's West Division's top defensive player. Um, Dave, how special is that for a guy who's 34 years old and performing at such a high level? I think it's, it's for him, I think it is uh, certainly something that we, we play for team awards, but we understand it is nice to be acknowledged personally. And he has had a great year. I think he would be the first to say our our team defense has been excellent. We've had multiple guys that I think, uh, you know, uh, could and should be all-stars on that group. Um, you know, you look at really what our team is about right now is where our defensive line is getting after the quarterback and our offensive line is, is moving people in the run game and protecting our quarterback. And when those things come together, you should have a good, you should have a good team because every team's got skill and talent, no doubt about it. It's whether or not those big boys can, can get the job done. And, and our team's been finding a way to do that. Another player uh, that uh, had a great season was the Stampeders nominee for most outstanding special teams player was also the Stamps nominee for the Jake Goddard award, uh, Renee Paradis. And, and, I could ask you about this guy every week because he's so good, but uh, I tried to wait until the end of the season and start of the playoffs here. What does having him mean to just the the confidence, the mindset of the offense when you get into those situations where touchdowns are harder to come by, but you know that you can re- uh, rely on Renee? Well, I think, again, he's had one of his best years, if not his best. Mm-hmm. Um, we really are fortunate with our, with what I would call our specialists. I think we've got one of the best snappers, Aaron Crawford. I think we have the best punter and kicker in the league. So, um, you know, Cody made a huge play himself, um, you know, a, a, an Aussie punt, we call it, which kind of has that backspin, <laughs> spun it back, got on it, dislocated his finger in the process, but kind of got us rolling. And then, oh, boy. Renee, to be honest, he's just clutch, you know, and I think he's I think he's around 90%. Uh, we, we've kicked longer field goals early in the year. He's just really, uh, you know, he's a guy. We almost don't even watch some of his kicks because we know they're going in, and that's a nice feeling to have as a coach. But he's, he just keeps plugging away. We'll see how many more years he can do it. But uh, certainly he, he hasn't slowed down at all. His, uh, his production seems to be as good as ever. You, I just wanted to ask, you mentioned Cody Grace's finger. Was that kind of what happened with the missed PAT that came shortly after? Like, I am the, the finger, the visuals looked <laughs> I don't it looked know painful. About, uh, I think Cody, just be straight up, is one of our tougher guys. Uh, he, I don't think that would affect him putting the ball down. Uh, don't know that. It was a little bit into the wind. Mm-hmm. We missed it to the left. Uh, 
So I'm not going to give Renee that that one as far as uh, blaming that. But there's who knows. I yeah. mean, like it's been so consistent. The snap, the hold, to the kick has been so good this year. Uh, I certainly think that what we call the operation time is is a key to Renee's success, and Cody and Aaron are a big part of that. Well, Dave, now i got to ask you, in your playing career, playing quarterback, maybe making those throws, hitting your thumb or a finger on an opposing player's helmet, did you ever dislocate a finger playing? I'm not saying you were Ronnie Lott where you're like, just cut it off, I'm going to continue to play. <laughs> but did you, ever, did you ever have an instance like that where you had to pop it back in and keep playing? Uh, I'm not a dislocated finger guy, but I've, I uh, I actually played a game with a broken thumb, and uh, on your throwing I'm hand? blaming all my crappy spirals that game on that. Wow. I I got hit in a game against Hamilton. I think it was like ten to ten when it happened. Played the rest of the game there. Net got an X-ray down the road, and uh, uh, you know I wasn't really paying attention. And go to the next game, I was having trouble all week. And I said to the doc, I said, hey, you got anything to help me with the pain of stomach? It's not feeling good. He said, hey, it's going to be tough with it when, it, when it's broke. And that was the first I had heard of it. I, I said, well, geez. Then went out there and didn't have a great game, but won again and, and was able to come better after it. I, it really is difficult. You know, you look at like Dak Prescott's and the Russell Wilson's. Depends how bad the break is, obviously, but. Broke a thumb a few times, broke fingers multiple times. No dislocations, though. That's usually like the receivers or, you know, catching those rocket throws. And most of my receivers never dislocated their fingers because the ball wasn't coming in hard enough. So it was, uh, it was, you know, you do it. You do it. You're right. It can't be easy. I had a dislocated shoulder that came out multiple times and tried to play through that for an entire season from game two on and, and did. But certainly it, it'll affect your performance. That's why we, we hope those things don't happen. What does it do when when you kind of have a teammate and you know he's going through something? Do you find that it usually gets guys even more fired up when they know that they're battling through something to be out there with their teammates? I think it's important, uh, especially in positions that don't usually are not in that, you know, war zone. You know, a quarterback, to me, has to show toughness. He has to be able to um, go in there and, and get hit and bounce back up and, you know, not ride around in pain on the ground, get back up and show your your teammates you're there for a reason. Uh, same thing like kicker, punter. A lot of times they don't get a lot of love as a, as a physical player, but when a kicker gets in there and makes a tackle or, like you say, a punter gets down there and gets the ball, I think that's what really fires your team up. And, you know, you just try to – you do. You do try to make sure you show people you're all in, you're committed, and those are some things I think uh, quarterback, kicker, punters can really do for their team that can uh, can motivate them. Dave Dickinson is the head coach of the Calgary Stampeders. Dave, all the best of luck this weekend. We'll talk next week. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye. There's Dave Dickinson on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest line, brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Come in and enjoy hockey and football game day specials at 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast. Pickup and delivery also available at Atlas Pizza, 403-248-3344. What's your prediction for this weekend's game? This one's going to be one in the trenches. I didn't watch a ton of Nathan Rourke. He didn't play a ton either. I still worry, or not really worry, but I wonder about how he's going to be able to play dealing with that uh, was Frank fracture in his ankle, returning from that in a pretty impressive timeline. Like, if the Stamps can get pressure on Nathan Rourke, they should be able to win this game. If the Stamps' offensive line can control the line of scrimmage and get that run game going early on, they should win this game. But this is one of those situations where I go, 
Run game for Calgary, much better than BC's. Pass game for BC with Nathan Rourke at his best is better than Calgary's. Almost kind of wish you were playing outside. Mm. What is Nathan Rourke, and again, uh, hot CFL talk that I'm not super strong on, but what does he mean for this league as a whole? Having a Canadian in such a high-profile position, like I, I, I don't remember ever seeing a big-time Canadian like him. Like, what nope. does that mean for the league? Like, is it does it does it add more interest? Does it have more eyes on the league? Because I feel like it is a big deal. Like the other network does everything Nathan Rourke, right? Like Dave Dickinson even made a joke about it last week during practice, where he said, he, "You know, you can't miss a Nathan Rourke update on social media. Every time the guy uses the loo, it 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 gets reported." And that I I would agree that 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 feeling is real. Um, for me, does it change things? Um, no, not necessarily. Because the thing is, like, a lot of the people who are talking about how great this is to have a Canadian quarterback, those are the same people that are like, hey, he's he's going to get looks in the NFL. Is he going to be a starter down there? Is he going to stick around as a second or third string? Who knows? But is he really going to be here for that much longer? Right. Who knows? He can make more money. On a practice roster down there. And like we saw with Bo Levi Mitchell, he had that opportunity, rather wanted to be the guy and came back to Calgary and was the guy. And that turned out well for him. But you got to wonder about Nathan Rourke, who's much younger than right now than Bo Levi was when he finally got that opportunity in his career. Like if you're Rourke and you can start doing that now, like who's that third string quarterback in the NFL everyone was talking about earlier in the season, who has made like $60 million being a third stringer on teams. He started like five games in his career. But you can make a good living doing that. So I think it's good for the league to have Nathan Rourke in it. And like, he's fun to watch. Man, is he ever good? Like, the game he came into BC or came into Calgary here, the Stamps opened up like a 21 point lead in the first quarter and he led them on a ridiculous comeback in that 41 to 40 victory for BC over the Stamps. Like, I was a bit of a, a doubter before that game, and that changed a, a lot of things for me because the Stampeders had him flustered in the first quarter, throwing a whole bunch of weird looks at him, and the way he adjusted and was able to overcome it, I was like, this guy's the real deal. Uh, Chase Daniels, I think, the guy you're thinking of. Yes. Uh, made a ton of money being a backup quarterback. Best nickname ever, though, was Charlie Whitehurst, Clipboard Jesus, because he had the long hair and the beard. <laughs> They called him Clipboard Jesus because that's what he did. He held the clipboard. Yeah. And he was a guy who was supposed to be the heir apparent, and then Russell Wilson beat him out in uh, camp, and the rest is history. And then we were blessed with all those Subway commercials with Russell Wilson. Uh, Flames lose to the Kraken last night, 5-4, blow a two-goal lead in the third period. Uh, we'll talk to Frank Saravalli, NHL insider for Daily Faceoff, straight ahead. We'll get his, we'll get his opinion. Like You mentioned it, and I thought it was super interesting earlier on in the show. How much longer are the Flames going to wait to make a move to add a top six winger? How much longer? Like what? Like, if that was What's my the appetite to make a move here, if it, it's still a little too early, it's not U.S. Thanksgiving, but it feels like this, that's the only missing piece on this roster right now. If that was my one takeaway from yesterday's game, it was, and this line shuffle and all that type of stuff, it was, what if there was just one movement down? What if there was just one more guy in here? 
And yeah, I feel like I'm getting a little bit greedy. Brad Trilliven has had an incredible offseason and done a lot of good work. But I'm never satisfied. No. Uh, we'll talk to Frank Saravalli and the voice of the Calgary Flames, Derek Will, straight ahead at 8 o'clock. And Maddie and I had an incident in the elevator last night. Maddie has a ton of regret. Uh, we want to hear your fun regret. 960, 960, name and location. Your chance to win a $100 gift card from Golf Town. And if you call in at 8.30, you got a chance to win Flames Preds tickets tomorrow, lower bowl. Fun regret. Uh, we'll revisit the Maddie story uh, later on in the show. It is the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The top of the hour, the voice of the Flames for Sportsnet 960, Derek Wills will join us. Recap that, oof, woof, 5-4 loss to the Kraken last night. Your chance to win Flames and Preds tickets tomorrow night? Stinky. We 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 need a fun regret story because Maddie regrets not saying something to a specific coaching member being of meek. the Seattle Kraken being... down the elevator. Uh, we'll revisit that story later on, but keep them rolling in. Nine sixty nine sixty name and location. Your chance to win a hundred dollar gift card from Golf Town. Give us your fun regret story. I never regret having our next guest on. <laughs> What a great transition that is. That was really <laughs> smooth. That was as smooth as chunky peanut butter. Yeah. Uh, real Frank Cervalli, NHL insider for Daily Faceoff. And our Sports at 960 NHL insider is uh-huh. brought to you by South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. Frank, good morning. How are you? I am good. Phillies win. Yeah. Home run derby last night. That was uh, pretty awesome. I, you know what, Frank? I'm actually cheering for Bryce Harper. I know he's got a bit of a. A lot of people aren't big fans of Bryce Harper, but the guy's been in the spotlight since he's been 16 years old. Hits that electric home run last night. I want the guy to be a World Series champion. How could you root against him? Like, what part of him don't you like? Not only has he been in the spotlight forever, but he's delivered at almost every moment. Two MVPs, you know, you think of the NLCS home run and then the next pitch he sees in the same ballpark, he jacks it out. Like, I mean, come on. It was insane, the confidence and swagger that that guy has, but he backs it up. Is it a blessing in disguise that that game three was rained out and they skipped Noah Syndergaard? Yes, a huge blessing in disguise. And then, to, so okay, so here's how it's set up for the Phillies when they had... Basically, they threw their two best arms in games one and two in Houston. They go off day for travel, followed by a rainout, followed by a home run derby in which they don't have to use any of their key bullpen arms because the lead was so big in game three. Now they can go back to NOLA tonight for game four. And if need be, you've got all your big guns. For game five, depending on who you start, whether it's Syndergaard or Gibson or whoever it is, to then go back to Wheeler for game six, if needed, like this series might not be going back to Houston. Ooh, well, there it is. That's saucy. So, Frank, is is there any work getting done in Philadelphia with the World Series and the Eagles and the 76ers have started to win? Apparently, Union is doing very well. Like, is there any work being done or, or what is it like in Philadelphia right now? 
Well, I'm talking to you guys. Am I not? I mean, does this count? No. Uh, no, 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 no. Sort of. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe, <laughs> um, but is there, no, there's not a lot getting done for sure. So, <laughs> I mean, look, it's the World Series, first time in 13 years. The weather has been unbelievable. Last night, I wore a hoodie to the game. I was actually sweating. It was 21 <laughs> degrees Celsius at first pitch. Like, are you kidding me? Not a cloud in the sky. What a day. Uh, it's snowing here this morning in Calgary, FYI. It's, it's great. It's beautiful weather. Uh, it's snowing here in Calgary. One more question, Frank. I know it's all about the Eagles in Philadelphia. That that's the number one game in town. What what would another World Series championship mean to that city? Because I've I've heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, people have told me from Philadelphia that the Flyers are the second game in town. Are they, or is it the Phillies? The Flyers are the clear fourth game in town. Really? It's Eagles, Phillies, Sixers, Flyers. Okay. And it's- hmm. It's been that way for seven or eight years. And the Flyers, you could have made the argument for a long time, were number two. It would have been Eagles, Flyers, Phillies, Sixers. But then the Phillies went on that run in 2007, 8, 9, uh, where they played really well, won five straight division titles, and it sort of became a baseball town for a little bit. It's always going to be an Eagles town. That's never going to change. But I think what's changed for at least a chunk of time, you know, in these last few weeks, this run is so unexpected that it's just captured everyone's attention and imagination Mm. that no one saw this coming. Like four weeks ago, they were swept in Chicago and, you know, their playoff chances were dwindling. Like they might not have even gotten in. So to think that this team is now two wins away from a world series, that's, that's what has everyone juiced up. But at the same time, the Eagles are still seven and oh, and the wacky thing is, Thursday night, you've got Eagles in Houston against the Texans. So the two teams from the same market, Phillies and Astros, Hmm. Eagles, Texans, they're all going head-to-head on Thursday night. It's going to be a ratings disaster. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm really loving what we're seeing in Philadelphia. Like The crowd looks ridiculous. Is my last one on the baseball, I swear... Where does that crowd rank as far as some of the ones that you've been in as a guy who's covered Stanley Cup finals? And I know you're a big sporting guy, so you've seen a lot of other sporting events as well. But where does that crowd last night rack up for you? Uh, it's it's right up there. That's why I sound like a crackhead today. Um, also, based on the fact that I had COVID last week, I don't think that's helpful. Oh. I feel like I... You know, coming into the hit, it sounds like I smoked 14 packs of cigarettes this morning. But um, in reality, like, the atmosphere was unbelievable. Like, we didn't sit down the entire game. Like, quite literally stood for a three-hour and nine-minute baseball game. It was bananas. And I was in left field last night for two home run balls that were hit in my section, which was insane. Um, And just just the way that it unfolded, a pure beatdown, you know, the chance, everything going on, it was absolutely electric. Can't wait to go back tonight. Speaking of crackheads, uh, the Kraken were here last night and were able to uh, beat nice. the Calgary Ooh, that Flames. That was a transition. That was, that was a transition. I'm going to do a little bow here for all of our listeners. Well there done. we go. Kraken um, crackheads. Sure. What have you made of uh, the way that they've been able to kind of get off to a better start this season? Like yesterday, they come from behind. They beat the Flames. They're scoring more goals. Their power play is actually good. Like the, the one thing here is that they're not allowing a lot of shots, but they're still allowing a lot of goals. But what have you made of the start to the season for Seattle? Well, they're, 
they're way more competitive, partially because they had an influx of talent. Like when you're able to add players like Andre Burakovsky and Oliver Bjorkstrand, and then you have the emergence of Matty Beniers, who now has eight points in 10 games. So if you consider his 10-game audition last year when I think he had nine, that's 17 and 20 NHL games. Like that's a legit player that you're adding to your lineup, not to mention you know, one of the faces of your franchise and probably a, a centerpiece quite literally down the middle, you know, and, and then if you can get more from Shane Wright, eventually you can start to see things come together between Matty Beniers and Shane Wright as a one-two punch down the middle. But when you have that influx of talent, it goes a long way for a team that had so many holes last year. And so much of what the Kraken experienced last year was goaltending. Like they had the worst goaltending in the last 30 years. That's almost my entire lifetime. I mean, think about how historically bad that was. And to be in that spot again, their team save percentage is still no better at 873. The fact that they're, you know, in that 500 range speaks to how much better they've played with the puck and decision-making. And they really feasted on the flames and their turnovers last night. Frank Cervalli's our sports at 960 NHL insider brought to you by South Trail Chrysler on the big show, Russick and Rose sports at 960, the fan Uh, Frank, uh, we saw it last night. Milan Lucic was playing on the second line. Uh, Daryl Sutter really threw all the lines in a blender. Um, We're really surprised with how things uh, went down. There's a hole here in the top six as a winger. Uh, Is is U.S. Thanksgiving the mark here for potentially uh, a trade here? You think there's an appetite for the Flames to go out there and and fill this hole? Because seemingly it feels like it's the only gap right now in this roster. I mean, U.S. Thanksgiving has traditionally been that sort of demarcation line where teams not just finally know what they have, but more so where their holes are and what they don't. And so I would say yes, um, but I feel like in some cases this year, it's hitting even earlier just because there's so much pressure around the league to get off to a good start. That said, the problem is the cap and, and frankly also contract limits that a bunch of teams are at in terms of being able to take on new deals. Um, so it is a complicated time to make a trade. That said, I, I think Brad Tree Living and the Flames went into this season knowing that they still probably needed one more piece up front. And I think I've been conscious of that, seeing how this year would unfold and, and knowing that that may be an opportunity to add later. Um, the question is with what urgency And then the other part of it, too, is like you mentioned, you know, there's a hole in the top six. Do things look and feel a lot different if Jonathan Huberto maybe adjusts a little bit more quickly? I'm not sure that he could hear Daryl Sutter's comments last night because he was probably in the bathroom again. But I mean, like what what what's why does it seem like the coach is kind of growing antsy or frustrated with Huberto after seven games? Still continuing to wait for the answer, and that's one thing that I think everybody in Calgary is really asking themselves as well, fans and media alike. Um, I did want to ask you about some of the other teams around the NHL that that might be perhaps struggling a little bit right now, and, and maybe underperforming is a better term. The Predators are three six and one. The Blues are three and five. You look out east, the Leafs are four four and two. So are the Penguins, who have lost five games in a row now. Although last night was in overtime. 
Do you see a, a move coming from one of these teams to try and shake things up and try and write a ship for a team that is expected to be in the postseason with these four I just mentioned? Not necessarily. And I would say a Preds team coming in that struggled the way that they have might be just what the doctor ordered for the Flames on Thursday uh, after a couple of blown third-period leads. Like Nashville has really struggled specifically keeping the puck out of their own net. 36 goals against in 10 games is not going to get it done. They've struggled to score as well. Um, and so they're in a spot where they're, they're facing some mounting pressure. And it's almost like the way that we've seen the Preds play to this point is probably what a lot of people thought we might see last year in that they've, you know, last year they exceeded so many expectations and, and played so much better um, than so many people saw coming with some breakout seasons. It would be hard to duplicate that again. And now in this case, you're seeing how difficult that really is. Um, but where, where are the trade ships? Like that's you know, like a lot of people keep asking the same question about the Toronto Maple Leafs and, and their position or, or Pittsburgh. Who are you moving from those rosters in order to make something happen? Like trading Justin Hall or trading Dennis Mulgan, like pick a name. Like, those aren't names that are going to snap anyone's head to attention in those locker rooms. So unless you're really making a significant seismic change, why are, like, in, other, in other words, you're just moving the, the deck chairs around. What, what are you doing? Wanted to ask about Eric Carlson as well. Uh, Hattrick last night, he's putting up a ton of points to start the season. Um, what have you made of his start to the year? And how? Well, what does it mean for the San Jose Sharks? Is this a guy that could be traded this year? Or is this something down the road? His resurgence is obvious, but what happens next, I think, is the question. Well, I would argue that his play last year actually really went under the radar. Mm. And I, I've been working on this project at dailyfaceoff.com, an archetype ranking system where you rank players more so by style of play rather than position. So we had the distributor and Huberto and, and obviously Johnny Gaudreau were, were well uh, positioned on that list. And you've got... Uh, the shooter and, and net front score and all those different categories. But with puck moving defensemen, like I don't think it was really recognized that last year, Eric Carlson led the entire NHL in defensemen among successful exit carries from the zone. You think of, you know, puck mm. movers. It's not just with your stick. Sometimes it's also with your skate. And so he is 18th in the league in, in defensive zone carries as a whole whether it was exiting the zone or not. Obviously, he's a talented guy at the other blue line as well, and the things that he can make happen offensively, as you noted with the, the hat trick that he scored last night. But he was actually really good last season on a really bad team. And so you look at this year, he's now beginning to get back to the point total that he was at previously. And he also has more opportunity with Brent Burns being gone. So Burns goes to Carolina. You also see from Burns that he has a lot left in the tank. And you start to evaluate the player a little bit differently relative to the contract. If the San Jose Sharks are willing to retain a portion, and I don't think it needs to be half, but a chunk of that salary, especially with the cap now, we have a better sense going up, if not next season, then guaranteed two years from now, that, that contract 
suddenly becomes a lot more palatable. Where does Eric Carlson slot on the age chart or age curve? Uh, how big of a drop-off are you expecting? Or is this a guy that can be really successful in the NHL at age 38? I, those are questions that front offices are probably evaluating at this point because that kind of talent is rarely available, yet we know it is in San Jose as they need to pick up the pieces and go in a different direction. Frank, how nervous should people in Ottawa be about the sale of the Senators? Nervous how? Nervous why? That they potentially could move? Oh, I could move? I, I think that's a, a, I don't want to say 0.0, but it's a less than 1% possibility. Like any sale that would happen to me, I'm sure the NHL would make it contingent on keeping that franchise in Ottawa. Um, and the biggest thing is I don't see anything happening with a sale until you can nail down a new arena in LeBreton Flats. Like right. that, that team needs to be located downtown. And if you're buying that asset, especially at an, you know, a somewhat inflated price, given where they've been the last few years that you'd, you'd be saying, I'm not doing it until everything is, every T is crossed and every I is dotted on, on that paperwork and there's shovels in the ground, knowing that I'm buying a team that's going to be moving downtown, already has a bit of a shot in the arm from the, the rebuild that we're seeing play out on the ice. And frankly, the entire feel around that franchise has changed since Eugene Melnick died. Like, I, I don't mean to dance on anyone's grave, and that's certainly not the point in saying this, but think back to other teams that have been under one person's control for a while where there was maybe some question marks about how they ran the business. Mm. Bill Wirtz in Chicago is a great example. You know, they didn't have their games on television while Bill Wirtz was alive because he was afraid that people watching it at home wouldn't want to come and buy tickets. That was in 2004. So yeah. he passes away, they change everything, and the franchise goes on this incredible run and wins three Stanley Cups. Like, not saying the cups are going to come definitely for Ottawa, but it feels like there's been a huge fee change in terms of the way that team is viewed inside its own marketplace since Eugene Melnick has passed. Well, I, I know, Frank, that Eugene Melnick, obviously, um, the late Eugene Melnick, used to get a lot of heat from other markets and people in Ottawa. We saw the billboards there the last few years. But in all honesty, Frank, the guy took, he, he took a hit at times owning that team. Like that team wasn't making a ton of money at times. And I know that people in Ottawa dislike Eugene Melnick, but I think he's the reason why the team's still there. Like, I don't know how many owners out there would still take the losses that he did owning the hockey team. And there's that old saying, uh, if you want to go from a billionaire to a millionaire, buy an NHL team. And I think Eugene Melnick and the Senators is maybe a prime example of that. I think that's such garbage. Okay. Look at the valuation of the franchise. It was now, like 21% year. No, historically, any asset like that, it's not about writing the checks now because you're looking at the valuation over a 20 year period. And it's one of the best investments you could possibly make. So as long as you can stomach doing that and Hey, maybe if you ran your franchise better and treated your people better, maybe you'd be getting different results on the ice. That's the truth. Everyone there seems to think that it's, it's a breath of fresh air with Eugene Melnick not hawking over their shoulders and breathing down their neck. He ran his franchise differently than almost any other team in the league. And for better or worse, he can do that. He's the owner. He's the guy signing the checks at the end of the day. But you, you got to look big picture. And, and 
you know, I, I hate the crying that we hear from owners about writing checks when you look at the overall valuation of the franchise. Chris Rock said it best. Uh, Shaq's wealthy, but the guy's uh, Shaq's rich, but the guy signing Shaq's check is wealthy. Uh, that always sticks into my mind, too. Great stuff, Frank. Uh, Frank, good luck to your Phillies. Uh, hopefully you're celebrating another championship. And uh, good luck trying to scale those greased-up poles downtown on Broadway, okay? <laughs> yeah, I don't think this temple of a body is making it up. <laughs> we want to see the video if you can actually try to make it. Uh, thanks for this, Frank. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one, guys. Thanks. Frank Saravalli, a Sportsnet 960 NHL Insider, brought to you by South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. Senator's not going anywhere, you think. Just good news for the people of Ottawa. Oh, big time. And he's right. The, the, the rink needs to be downtown. Oh, like, for sure. It's out in Canada. It's a bit of a drive. And you want the coldest walk Oh yeah, in the NHL from your car to the arena, it's in Ottawa and Canada. Just is it like a far walk? Is yeah, oh, because it's in the middle of nowhere. It's wide open. It's windy. It's cold. Oh. Miserable. Gross. Yeah, don't like. At it. least here by the dome, there's a lot of buildings and stuff. There's some surrounding stuff happening. It. Yeah. yeah. Okay. La- yeah. Last time I saw a big open parking lot, freezing cold in Ottawa. No good. Like it. It's so key for any real sports team. Like we've talked ad nauseum over the last couple of weeks about Philadelphia, and it's it's the ballpark, it's the football stadium, it's Wells Fargo, the NHL barn, all the stones throw of each other. It's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Get that entertainment district downtown. Everybody all in one place, a hub. Build out from there. Yeah, that's what you should do. Uh, and again, they definitely need it in downtown Ottawa to have that. And it'd be so huge and so important to that city. And, and that's an exciting team. Like Freddie Kachuk, Tim Stutzla. Jacob Chikrin. Yeah. What? Eventually. Maybe. Yeah, that, they need help on their blue line, too. It's the one thing. They just need some veterans so that the, those younger guys have a little bit of time They're to They're exciting season. to watch. They get some good players on the blue line, too. They just need yeah. a little bit of time. Brandstrom's a guy they get. They, Brandstrom's not the one I'm talking about. But, that, but they thought he was going to be the yeah. next, like, Victor Hedman type. Coming to the Senators, it's too small to be Victor Hedman. He's got good offensive instincts, but the the, the but, but again, one of the the prized prospect of the Vegas Golden Knights. Yep. In that deal, was like, oh, we got Eric Brandstrom. Wow. Like Chabot, like Sanderson, Thompson, Jacob Bernard, Docker, some good players. Uh, the Senators are a team on the rise, much like the Buffalo Sabers, uh, the Detroit Red Wings. The Atlantic Division looks like it's in good hands. Moving forward, uh, still lots to come. Um, Derek Wills is the play-by-play voice for the Calgary Flames, so join us straight ahead. Talk about that 5-4 loss last night to the Kraken, and it was such a weird game last night, blowing that two-goal lead in the third period. Um, just sloppy play. First period looked disjointed. What's the lines going to look at practice? Uh, all the things we can touch on with Derek Wills and uh, Maddie and I had an issue in the elevator on the way home from the dome last night. Uh, we'll talk about that. It's leading to what's your fun regret? Nine sixty nine sixty fun on the fun on the text line. Uh, your chance to win a hundred dollar gift card from Golf Town, and if you call in, you have a chance to win Flames and Preds tickets tomorrow night. Lower Bowl fun regret. We'll revisit what happened to to Maddie and I last night, and Maddie still. Still feeling it. Mm-hmm. Still a little sour about it. 
We'll do all of that next. Yeah, you're still shaking your head. Yeah, I just, you still tossed and turned last night. I goofed. You're still a little sour about it. Mm. We'll do that in the final hour. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.